What's up? Welcome to Table for One Dumb Boy, or should I say Coffin for One Spooky Boy? Should I say that? Does that sound good, Adam? I would, uh, yeah, that's the best I can think of right now. <laughs> I just sat down. Well, it took me two days to come up with it, so <laughs> thanks. Um, I was thinking Table for One Dumb Halloween, like that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, just really just, you know... You got a theme all month, you know? Yeah. So because I'm going to, it's going to be whatever, you know, every part's going to be the same name. I'm too lazy to do anything else. So maybe we'll fucking go with that. You know, just keep it simple. But uh, for those that don't know, I I made a post about it, but this month I've kind of been wanting to just uh, watch a bunch of fucking horror movies or like what I would deem good for Halloween, like Halloween appropriate movies. And uh, just talk about them, because I like doing that anyway. Be easy. Uh, and it's just a whole month of shows I can do now. So it'll be like, me and you, we watch four movies, and mm-hmm. uh, we're just going to talk about them. And uh, each episode's going to be like that. And I have Adam Condra here with me. Hey, everybody. Tuscaloosa comic. Woo. Very funny. Uh, you know what? Do you just want to plug your album now? I don't know why people don't... <laughs> do it at the beginning, you know? Just do it at the beginning. Then people can just stop listening. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I always hate that because it's like, hey, it's time for plugs. And it's like, okay, hey, it's time to fast forward through the rest of this and then start whatever else you're going to listen to. Exactly. You know? uh, no, yeah, I have an album. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon. Um, it's $10. I promise it's worth the money. That's all. Absolutely, man. Yeah. If I had to, like, compare your comedy to, like, a, like, super, like, Successful person, yeah. This is way more successful. Uh-huh. I would say, like, it's in the same vein as, like, if you're like, you know, uh, Paul F. Tompkins or like Patton Oswalt, stuff like that. Yeah, like, pa- Patton uh, is probably my biggest influence easily. I, cause, uh, yeah, it's like it's very uh, thinking man's comedy. You know, like, <laughs> like you have to, you know, there's very it, it's pop culture heavy. There's some uh, obscure references, stuff like that. If you like like Mystery Science Theater three thousand stuff like that, I think they would like you. That's good because I didn't watch that until the reboot with um, what's his name Jonah Ray. Yeah, last year. Turns out I really like that show. It's really good. It's like it's crazy. You just found it. Like, yeah. cause, uh that was something I used to watch on. Uh, it was during the Mike Nelson years, which were the Sci-Fi mm-hmm. Channel years. I'd wake up on Saturday and watch them, and uh, I didn't get any of the references, but occasionally you'd hear something funny, you know. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. just grew up really liking it. Uh, Mike Nelson's a guy you might like. He was the the second host. He was like head writer in the beginning, kind we, of. In in true table for one dumb boy fashion, I'm gonna plug someone else's podcast, which is um, Mike Nelson has a show called 372 Pages. We'll never get back. That's the uh, Ready Player One. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's him and one of the writers from Mystery Science Theater 3000 or Rift Tracks or whatever, um, and they just skewer the crap out of Ernest Klein's books. It's great. Yeah, he's really funny. Actually, he's a conservative too. He keeps it like very hidden. But he he's, seems he seems like very even keel. Just you know, doesn't want to. Do, I mean, he's he's not annoying about. I it. Hes, I hesitate to use the phrase "good conservative," but I think Ooh. if I you know who I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not somebody that would like chop your head off for saying yeah. that. I know what you mean. Um, he's one of those yeah, like even keeled. He's not like super far right. No. He's just you know tends to lean politically more right he's not like adam baldwin where he's got to like start a twitter war with everybody yeah yeah he definitely he keeps it to himself mostly which is you know all you can really ask for i didn't know that about him till like basically had to do some digging to find out Uh, don't ask why i did that the impression i get from him on that show is that he just sits at home and just reads next to his wife a lot yeah, like, that, yeah. like that's what he does with his free time, which sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, his wife also <laughs> as very a pastime. Funny. She was uh, one of the writers for the show too. Um, that's cool. But yeah, he's uh, he was always my favorite. Um, 
Which kind of, you know, like that does kind of lead into, you know, like a lot of these movies, like that's where I first saw Demon Knot, I think, was on the Sci-Fi Channel in syndication, uh, yeah. which is the first movie we'll talk about. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Th- this is um, the first time you saw it, right? Yeah. I had not... I'd never heard of this movie, uh, it, uh, apart from it kind of pops up on people's like top 25 like campy horror things every yeah. once in a while, you'll see it. Um, I think the first thing I learned about this movie is how little I actually know about, uh, um, what's it, Tales from the Crypt, like as a brand, because I yeah. always thought, like, when I grew up, the Crypt Keeper was like this dude, he would come on Fox on Saturday mornings. Yeah, the cartoon version of him. Yeah, well, it was he would like do the interstitials in between all the shows. Okay, and he was like this, just sort of spooky, like kid friendly version of the character. And yeah. I didn't realize that apparently there's this whole other side to that where, like, this movie opens with him directing a movie in which a naked woman is getting hacked to death right. in, in a bathtub. That was very Tales from the Crypt, too, because it's like, I remember my dad was a huge fan of the show, and uh, I would watch it with him on HBO on it. It was, like, Saturday or Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. I remember it being very filthy. Like, it was like, I yeah. couldn't believe he even let me watch it. And uh, it was just, it was a great show. It was just very campy, shitty, like, trashy. Yeah. Exactly. And, well, you know. I was shocked, you know, because it's like when you find out, like when you find out for the first time that Bob Saget like swears and is like really filthy as a comedian. You had that with the Crypt Keeper. And you're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, I was like, you're not supposed to be like this at all. Like, yeah. it's like, <laughs> that's so like bizarre because like that's, you know, he's hanging like, out with like these Vegas strippers and everything. And yeah. it's like, you're not, no, you're supposed to be a role model. Sir. Yeah, that's how I remember him. He would always, you know, have like, I, I do associate a lot of nudity with the show, uh, just unnecessary gore, but fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, which this movie is chock-a-block with. Yeah, yeah, I love this movie, though. What did you think? Do you like it? This is a fun, uh, like, midnight uh, drinking with your friends type, Definitely. type romp. It's, it's like the perfect length, and it actually, it's got some cool lore to it as well. Like, not enough to really make you think too much, but it, like, I appreciated it. Absolutely. You know? Like, uh, of course, like, we can't forget, you know, like, uh, you, you have to start a movie in the 1995 with Filter. Yeah, <laughs> which that was another thing I forgot is how early, how old that song actually is. Yeah, it, do you know what that song's about? It's about Arba Dwyer, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey man, not shot. <laughs> Very, you know, on the nose. Yeah, but yeah. And it, well, before we get into this, real quick, I, I just want to point out for the audience: uh, the dude who was hacking the woman to death in the bathtub in the beginning is John Larroquette. Right. <laughs> for no reason at all, he just shows up and he has he has like one pun. And then, like, that's all he had to do with this production. And I was like, you can't, you can't just drop John Larroquette at the beginning of something for no reason. And then just, he's not, like, was this a regular, part of it. was this a regular thing for him? Did he, like, show up anywhere else? I want to say maybe movies? he was, like, in a, in a, you know, he popped up a lot of places in the 90s, I remember, kind of briefly, it yeah. seems like. I could be just imagining this, but I do remember him being in a lot of stuff just very briefly. He doesn't, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who would just do something for a paycheck he seems right like, i think he was probably a fan of the show he seems like a cool guy. yeah uh, what was too. it his pun was just like what where they dig this guy up something like that yeah yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah and i noticed the, the movie like the uh uh you know special effects and they use practical effects it seemed like for the most part which i'm a big fan of there's some practical stuff and then there's uh some of that weird optical thing they do when the lightning bolts are getting shot out of their eyes yeah 
But the Crypt Keeper in the beginning, when he's on the set, when he's walking... He's do, they do, like, stop motion, like, full scale. And it looks bad. I've never... Yeah, I've never seen anything like that before. Like, because they clearly, like, filmed him doing his his lines, like, on one set and then composited him in. Yeah. But they had to do that and then deal with stop motion at the same time. So it just looks really, really bad. It's odd. Like, it wasn't, like bad 90s cgi either it was just like weird like you know like you said stop motion i've never i've never seen anything like it yeah because well because he's all jerky and then you think why didn't they just get a puppet like that's what he's supposed to be right and like when they do that with him it looks great it always it works but he's like he's got this little beret on and he's like walking toward the camera giving people notes because he's directing and stuff he has a little cane and everything he's he's dressed kind of like uh uh I don't fucking know his Cecil name. Cecil B. DeMille or yeah, something. Yeah, like Cecil B. DeMille. Yeah. But yeah, uh, what I noticed, um, too, is uh, Billy Zane's actually really funny in this. He gets, so he starts real low. Like, he gives, like, like he shows up and it's like, oh, great, Billy Zane's here. As and everybody then, feels. And yeah. then and then for, he's that way for about 40 minutes, and then once once things, once it goes, like, full-scale home invasion he starts to get gradually funnier and funnier. Right. And then by the end of this movie, he's actually really good and is like one of the best parts of it. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, well, uh, kind of what, what, what happened to Billy Zane like to where everybody's just kind of like turned off by him? Like, was it Titanic? I no, guess, I, so here's what I think happened is that Billy Zane, like, Billy Zane is what would happen if Channing Tatum like never worked with Soderbergh. Like, yeah. he, never, he never found the right director to kind of like harness his unique mix of like dumb machismo charisma and then like his he's got a really deep like sonorous voice he just he doesn't speak very well like yeah. if that makes any sense no i know what you mean kind of like Channing tatum exactly like, he yeah. can be used uh well and like and like right lord direction. miller figured out how to make that work by turning him into this like super exuberant broy dude and then like soderbergh kind of helps him lean into his southernness a little bit more and it's yeah. like nobody really did that with Billy Zane. Yeah. He just he he plays a lot of characters where he's supposed to be like the smart one in the room, but he's not like he's menacing, but you don't take him seriously as like a wit or an intelligence. Right, he's just kinda there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh like I think this is of any movie I've seen him in, this is his best performance. Yeah, probably. and he's got like he's got a bunch of really terrible one liners in the opening and he's doing this thing where he's trying to like toy with Jada Pinkett Smith and William Sadler and everybody. And it it's like the it's like a this is the kind of role that like Willem Dafoe or somebody should be playing. Yeah. Where they're just like a really like playful sort of childish villain. God, could you imagine Willem Dafoe? Yeah, I would I, totally he'd be so him. great in this, but but Billy, Billy Zane movie. is like, he's really big and he's got a really deep voice and he's just, he kind of cuts this imposing figure, but he's trying to be like coy and playful and it doesn't really work Yeah. until they start doing the dream sequences. Dude, those are really good. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, and then he gets to like mix it up and like, he's playing like a weird Jimmy Buffett dude at a fiesta. That's my favorite part. And then he's, um, Gosh, the other one. He's like he's like at a fashion week or something. Yeah, he's like at fashion week with uh. That's for uh, Jada Pinkett. Smith. He's he's showing her like what she would look like as like this internationally adored model or something. Yeah, and, and uh, like, I guess we should back up a little bit. Yeah, too, like, too, nobody knows what the story. This is this story, and I'm you know like it's pretty cut and dry. But it's like there there's some fo- things I'm foggy on. But you know it's a stupid you know tales from the crypt movie. But it's basically you know uh, uh, William Sadler. 
is being chased by Billy Zane in the beginning, who is a demon, mm-hmm. and uh, he has this vial of what is like blood or something. It's yeah. So it starts out. This is the best part of the movie, cause, just because it where it comes out of nowhere. It starts out as the blood of Christ, and then over the years, there's like a group of immortal Highlanders, I guess. Who yeah. They each. When they die, they add their blood to this vessel, and it's, like, used to protect against demons that are hunting for it. Yeah. Which doesn't really make a whole sense, because it's established the, that the blood either kills them or stops them from, like, walking into places. <laughs> yeah. Here's a fun trivia thing, too. That vial they use in it is actually the vial that the vampires use to drink blood out of in Bordello of Blood. The Dennis, <laughs> the Dennis Miller uh, Tales from the Crypt vehicle. That's funny. Which, damn, I kind of wish we would have done that one, too. Yeah. That one's an interesting one. Gosh, talk about Dennis Miller. He's really... <laughs> he, it's an interesting movie. Did he have, like, the Farrah Fawcett hair in that movie? No, he didn't have... He would, that was bearded, you know, 1996, 97 Dennis okay. Miller. Uh, he, you know, he, it's interesting. He's not yeah. terrible in it. He used to be funny. Like, I used to thought, think he was yeah, funny. He, he just made this weird turn after 9-11 to yeah. where he's just, uh, <laughs> you know, a weird um, um, conservative pundit. I liked him. Do you know the, uh, the like, fake uh, Dennis Miller account on Twitter that, like, only does NFL comments and stuff? No, that sounds like something I'm going to follow, though. It's super funny because, it, like, it's, it's so on the nose. It's like him talking about it. It's like, oh, I haven't seen this many drop passes since the Battle of Agincourt. Like, that's great. Something, that's, like, that's something, something for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But like so, William Sadler is one of these uh, like undead blood protector dudes. I guess they call them demon knights in the movie, but it doesn't come up until the end. Yeah, um, he's on the run from Billy Zane, and he ends up in this weird motel that was made out of a. <laughs> they say it's a decommissioned church. Yeah, like it used really, to be a church. Like or a, like a church is like a submarine or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like. But it's a hotel. He goes in, and it's a hotel that's like doubling as a whorehouse, I guess. For sure. But like, there's, uh, there's for with one whore there. Yeah, yeah. There's there's one whore, and uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is there as like the housekeeper. She's like a um, uh, it's like a halfway house for her. Almost. Yeah, like she's, you know, like she's an ex con. Yeah, she's like on parole or something, and yeah. like that's her. And uh, then there's a there's a misfit mailman who is sweet on the lone whore that's there. Oh, absolutely! Like to this, a very uh, poor motherfucker, man. Like, yeah, he, he like he just hangs out because he clearly has no free time. And he and just hears people fucking her constantly. Yeah, <laughs> the love of his life a, is a. It's a very sad existence. It's very. I feel so bad for the guy. Yeah. Well, you just want to be like, dude, just have some self respect. Like, so just there's so many other. Quit people. your job and go anywhere. And yeah, there's a, there's a subplot involving him that they discover after his death that is great. It's very timely for like we 1995. Should, yeah, we, we we'll get into that later, but for um, sure. So Sadler shows up, and Sadler looks ridiculous in this movie. He he's very poorly. He, he it's very poorly acted. By I think. Too. Well, I think he's giving a really good performance. He just looks stupid. Yeah, because yeah. he's wearing this big cumbersome 90s biker jacket and these fingerless gloves yeah. he was like 45 when he made this film and he yeah. just looks dumb and um he rolls in and there's like an altercation with the like you it establishes all the characters and then the police show up because they think billy zane is a good guy yeah and then uh shenanigans ensue eventually they kick billy zane out of the motel and sadler Pours blood on the edge of the of the doorstep, which seals the door so that they can't get in. 
And Billy Zane is pissed. Yeah, and this is basically the setup for the movie. It's like Billy Zane is going to lay siege to this motel to get this blood vessel that he needs. Yes. And Sadler has made a bunch of misfit ragtag friends. Yeah, just and, to tell as old as time. Yeah, you know? and that's the movie. Like it's a, it's like a western in that sense. It's, it's like, very fun. Like uh, you know, we, we're kind of there's shit. There's plenty of shit to shit on because of the time it was made. You know, like yeah. it's just. Some things don't age well. Yeah. Like, I mean, that kind of gives it charm, too. That's kind of like what I liked about it. Yeah, it's, well, it's like the outlaw Josie Wales if they were fighting, like, demons instead of yeah, a little Indians bit. or whoever. But So that, that setup, I think, is, is, is decent in and of itself. Uh, and then Billy Zane has predator blood, I guess, and he cuts himself on the palm and then lets it drop into the soil and then gives birth to... I don't know if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan or not, but gives birth to a bunch of Cybermen. I'm not uh, actually. Okay. Like, I'm if so you, confused by if it. If you're a listener out there and you've seen DBZ, the, you know the Cybermen. They're like these little. They're basically. They get planted in the soil and they spring out and they're these like angry little alien demon midgets, basically. Yeah. And that's basically what Billy Zane does. He summons a lot of these little like pipsqueaks. And that's what I thought. You know, I thought that part was great too. Like as far as like practical effects go, I thought like I was looking up because for some reason I thought Rick Baker might have done the special effects on this. But it uh, looks like it. It does. It looks like a Rick Baker. It uh, looks really good. Which uh, you know, if you don't know who that is, is just one of the best like uh, special uh, special and practical effects like makeup artists there there has ever been. Um, we'll talk about him later too for sure. Um, Thomas Hayden Church from Wings. Oh Sideways yeah, Sideways is in this. He's a Huge piece of shit. Yeah, he's awful. He's, <laughs> he's he, I feel so sorry for. Uh, I don't. I didn't. I still don't remember her name. But the the prostitute. Uh, I think her name is Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, and that's her boyfriend. Yeah, he shows up and he clearly like. I don't want to be indecorous, but I guess he's not supposed to be paying. Like, I'm not sure what the arrangement is, but I don't. I guess they're dating. I don't he's know. There, what it is. Yeah, he's there to make the mailman character feel bad. Yeah, he just, like, for no reason wants to just make this guy miserable. He already has nothing to live for. Yeah, and, and to, to be such an awful person that he gives the prostitute a character arc so that she can realize what an awful person he is. Yes. Which gets cut off because she gets possessed by Billy Zane, but we'll get to that. Um, he, I'm trying to think. So there's there's all those characters, and then there's the matron of the, of the, of the motel. What's a CCH Pounder? CCH Pounder who isn't given a whole lot to do until like the last 20 minutes or so it's a shame but she's used very well in the last yeah she, so she gets her arm cut off and gives the best like severed i a limb has just been hacked off performance i've she ever nails seen it. she's a really great actress yeah. did you ever see uh the shield on fx no i didn't the wire kind of overshadowed it because they came on at the same time yeah but they're both very different shows they're both police procedurals that's kinda one with, in the same. uh michael chiklis yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah who's yeah. As a person, as insane as it is, like we could go on all day about yeah, his yeah. real life. But um, he, he's it's a really good show that she's great in. But she she like you said, when her arm gets hacked off, performance of this a this is the time. best. Like I just had my arm cut off performance I've ever seen in a movie. Absolutely, like she she is as horrified and as loud and as like unapologetic about it as I would be in that situation. Yeah, like it's horrifying and it's funny because like over the course of the siege, it's basically just. Billy Zane doing awful things to these people and then tempting them to try and get them to give up William Sadler and the thing that he's holding on to, the MacGuffin. And um, he gets to her and like his only offer to her is like, I can get you your arm back. 
Like that's that's <laughs> After, all that's all he has to tempt her with. He's the reason it happened. Yeah. Too. <laughs> Everyone else, he's like, I can give you, I can make you like a, a Vegas high roller or whatever. It's like I can make you a famous fashion model, and he's like, I can get your arm back. And then I mean, that's probably all I can do for you, lady. Yeah, and then like serves it to her on a platter when she <laughs> says no. Which I mean, why wouldn't you? It's like that's all you can do. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, Dick Miller is in this movie. He plays Uncle Willie, which I thought that was Elias Cotius when I first saw him. He's and then I was uh, like, he's he's so old all the time. How is this? Oh, it's got never fucking. Oh wait, that's not that's not Elias Cotius. Okay, he um, I, that's another person I feel sorry for in this movie. <laughs> just a drunk loser. Um, thought he was just a homeless guy the first time I saw it, but no, he he. Yeah. I guess he lives at the uh, this brothel slash um, uh, whatever it is that these people live at apparently. Yeah. You can Uh-oh. tell, though, um, go, going back to that first scene where the little, like, pipsqueak demons start invading, they spent their money really, really well on this film because, like, the composition is so cheap. They've only got two angles, like, one through the window and one out of it. And they shoot that entire scene just from those two angles. Yeah. But all the stuff with the costume effects and then them getting shot in the eyeballs and all that stuff, that is to the nines like it looks perfect even though it's, it's really good effects in this movie you can tell like they maybe shot it in a day or two and like didn't get any coverage anywhere else but it looks really good for just what they have on screen in those scenes right. I mean if you you know if the story doesn't get you the, the, the like just how it looks Will like um uh the part when he when Billy Zane punches the cop through the skull yeah that's one of my favorite like little stupid uh one liners like heads up oh like, yeah throws the head at the guy uh, that made me giggle. Uh, I mean, he's just really funny in this. Um, uh, but yeah, like you've done a better job of me explaining this this plot of this movie. I guess I was just in and out of it <laughs> because I've seen it so many times. But um, I didn't want to make sure I I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything because I'd never seen it before, and um, I don't know. It's just it's funny. Like they go. Like, they, they fend off that first wave, and then they go to the second floor, and then that's when, like, they act, the script is like, okay, now we're going to kick some tension into this. Like, we're going to have uh, Thomas Hayden Church start scheming against William Sadler. Yeah. And so he'll, he tries to, like, gain leverage over the other characters in this, and then Sadler is like, I'm trying to keep a secret about who I am, but also I need to warn these people about the situation they're in and protect them and all this stuff. And it's like a good... It's like they have a good setup and then a and then a solid piece of action where a bunch of heads get blown up. I think it's really well written, like and, and tight. Like I don't know if there, how much editing was involved with yeah. it, but like I think it was like the perfect length. Uh, it doesn't really drag on any. Yeah. I think it stays exciting consistently. Like, yeah, but I they mean, they they just they choose the right moments to add layers to it. Yeah, it, exactly. It, it pays off, and then that's when they introduce like the concept of the demon knights, and it's like this crazy flashback sequence where. Some dude is just wandering around at Golgotha during the time of Christ's crucifixion. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, he's just there. And it's funny because, like, there's no one else there. Yeah, it's very odd. It's just him. And, <laughs> and, like, Christ and the two thieves are up on the crosses. And then there's, like, this demon who shows up who's, like, not interested in Christ at all. He just wants to attack this guy. And then... That's what he was it's the most. In. It's the most stupid slapstick thing. He literally... He, like... He literally backs into the cross. <laughs> yeah, that Christ is hanging from, and it causes some of his blood to fall on this demon, and like, 
uh, I don't know, burn it or something. And so that's where the vessel comes from is he fills it with Christ's blood and then just takes it with him. And like, they're like, they never say why the demons want the vessel or like, especially after that moment when it's established that the blood like kills them. Yeah. But it's just so ballsy and weird that like, I didn't really care. Yeah, there's just some very, like, out of left field, like, things they just throw at you in this movie where I'm like, I mean, that wasn't really necessary, but um, I'm on board for it. Yeah. Because it, like, just adds to, like, I guess the uh, campiness of it. Like, well, it's just... Because then, then you start to think, okay, was that supposed to be William Sadler, even though it looks nothing like him? And then, and then they have another flashback where you realize, okay, Sadler was actually a soldier from World War One. Yeah. And you figure out that this is a thing that's passed between people. Yeah. It just keeps going, but um, they did kind of imply that uh, uh, there would be a sequel, I guess. Yeah, with uh, Jada Pinkett. I that, actually I like that that last scene. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I don't. A, I think the sequel would be terrible. Obviously, it's, yeah, it's a it's a cool bit of lore. Um, what happens is uh, basically everybody dies, and Jada Pinkett Smith receives the Demon Knight vessel. She becomes the next Demon Knight, and. Um, she kills Billy Zane after he exposes himself to her in what is apparently just like a pillar of flame. Yeah. Like, that's just what his dick looks like. Uh, yeah. It's just, this movie's a lot of fun. And um, It is a lot of fun <laughs> shit we can't even touch on. Like, it would take all fucking day. Yeah, so she, so she escapes and she's got the vessel now. Like, she's the, she's the Highlander, I guess. And she gets on a Greyhound bus and then puts a drop of blood on the edge of the Greyhound bus to, like, protect her. Mm-hmm. While she goes, and then the bus comes to a stop in front of some mysterious dude in a black duster, and he looks at the bus, looks up at the bus driver after the door opens, and he's like, no, I'll I'll wait for the next one. Yeah. And it's like, okay, he's the next Billy Zane character. He's the next demon that's coming after this thing. He's whistling the tales from the crypt theme. Yeah, and then he starts whistling the tales from the crypt theme as he walks away. Or, Or it's, the bus pulls out, and then he just starts walking after it. Yeah. Which is really cool and creepy. Which, by the way, I am glad this is uh, a small detail I'm glad they did. There's been, there have been three Tales from the Crypt movies. Uh, this is the best one of them. Um, I do like that they included the um, uh, intro to it, like on the show. Mm-hmm. I've always liked that intro with Danny Elfman's theme. And is that where they go through the house? Yeah. And also, yeah. This one they put a lot... It's the same intro, but like it's uh, like they, they had a little bit more money and it's like just a little bit stretched out longer for some reason and it just looks a little bit better mm-hmm. uh, I don't know why that was necessary but it, it looks cool was this um, the first movie they did yes okay it that's probably why one. yeah it was this one uh, Bordello of Blood which is fine it's 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 funny and you know it, it serves its purpose uh, I will have to talk about that sometime yeah. uh, have you have you not seen that one no, that one you have to see. Um, um, if I owned it, I, that, I would have. Uh, Shout Factory actually put it out. So, okay. Um, yeah, they. Uh, we we skipped over some stuff real quick, specifically. Yeah, with go the, for with it. With the uh, the postal worker, because I wanted to mention that. Because this is so great. They get. They've like survived the first couple of waves of demons coming after them, and they've sealed up most of the exits around them with the blood. And then they get into the attic, and they find out that Wally, the postal worker who died a very heroic death earlier to, like, prove his honor to his lady prostitute love. <laughs> that wants nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
They what? find a ton of guns and explosives in the attic that belong to him. And yes. They basically find a journal where he talks about how he's going to blow up the post office to prove his love to Charlotte. And it's <laughs> you remember how many movies in the nineties included that like yeah. as a joke or something? There was yeah. that was driven into the fucking ground in the nineties. Was that? And I can't remember. Was this? Was there an actual thing that happened, or was it like a Newman from Seinfeld thing? Uh, that was another thing. Like they were joking about, like something about like uh, there was a bunch of like disgruntled postal employees in the nineties yeah. that uh, you know apparently like uh, sent anthrax to their stations or something. Yeah, like there was like they kind of just formed like, uh, and I'm foggy on this, so uh, this may not be 100 percent true, but there was like you know it was like a group of postal employees in the nineties that like were doing you know kind of terroristy things. Okay, and it was a very <laughs> hack joke in the nineties. Like, yeah. uh, but I mean, it was. It, but there were so many great movies that had the, like the Naked Gun. Yeah, they, they did that to death in all of those movies. Yeah. Uh, it's just funny that in, in this movie, it's used as a device for like a character. Oh, I love how they. Did it's it. like this is what he was planning to like prove how much he loves this girl, which like which would have worked. I mean, that yeah, no, it, <laughs> it, that feels like a very like 2015 thing where a guy yes. goes and kills a bunch of people because you know it's a very alt right thing to do. Yeah, because he's been rejected <laughs> by a girl. Like, which uh, side note, just real quick, uh, Taxi Driver, uh, Travis Bickle. If that movie was made now, he's like basically just an alt right guy. Oh right? yeah, like, yeah. I just think that's interesting. I watched it again recently, and I'm like, this, uh, this, I like this movie for way different reasons than I did when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Travis Bickle would definitely rock some PayPay memes. On oh, his, for on sure. His Facebook, on his for Facebook sure. page. But yeah. Um, so, I mean, overall, like, uh, let's just say we rate this out of five stars. What would you give this? Uh, this is a three and a half. That's fair. It's yeah. a solid movie. Um, it's not going to knock your socks off, but it's fun, and it's like, I don't know. It's not pretentious at all. It's just right. Here, here's a fun, super bloody the the makeup effects. There's um there's a couple st- things in this movie that are like straight up out of the thing. Like the kid at the end turns it morphs into this like weird like half tongue monster thing. Yeah. So if you like that kind of stuff, um, definitely watch this. Yeah. If you're like uh, if you're a fan of Tales from the Crypt, this is like this. I think this justified them making a movie of it. Um, you know, because it's like it's like a episode, but a little bit. You know, like it it, it, it gets a little more like uh, ridiculous, and like there's they they justified like an hour and a half yeah. of the movie to do this. This I is think. like this is riding that line between like a like a legit movie that would get released in it. Were these put out in theaters or was this made for TV? Yeah, yeah, this is a th- uh, movie theater. Oh, okay, all right. So this this would this is like just a hair above something they would make fun of on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just self aware enough, exactly to be to be that kind of fun. Exactly, and that's really I, that's just really what Tales from the Crypt's about. Uh, I mean, three and a half's a fair. Uh, I think that's probably what I would give it to. Um, which reminds me too, you're like one of the only people I know with a Letterboxd account. I cannot get anybody on. Oh that. shit! Like, <laughs> I haven't looked at that in months. Yeah, I don't get on that much. Anymore. I, you know, I I got one of those, so I would stop posting about movies so much on Facebook. That's what I did it for. Like, and then what I realized is that like no one reads Letterboxd, even if you put right? it on Facebook. So like, it's not you know something about it's fulfilling. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, I do it with every movie I I watch. I need the problem is like when I if I review a movie, I put like like multiple paragraphs into it. Like I try to actually get into it. 
Like, yeah, that's kind of why I asked you to do it too, and, like, and critique it. And that's why most I asked most you to people do I know this, who use yeah. it just do like a paragraph or two, and they're like, "Yeah, this is fun." You know, it's that's kind of how I. It's am. not Jeff Bridges' best, but you know, that's like pretty that much what mine are. It's just Which I think like, that's how you're supposed to use it because you just there's just too many movies. <laughs> I don't know. There's like people that are patrons on there that like you know uh, people like pay them to do it. You know, like or people like pay for their opinions basically. That's. You know? mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, you know, some people do use it for that. I'm just not good with shit like that. So uh, that's kind of why I asked you to do this, is because your letterbox, you know, you go really in depth, and I feel like uh, I think the last movie I did was Solo. I read that one, and then before that was the Last Jedi. So that, the, like that shows yeah. you what I've put How into recent. it lately. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, I would give it three and a half. I think it justified the, the make. It was a justified move for them to make this. Uh, so yeah, three and a half. I, it's I a, good, it's a good movie to watch with a group. Yeah, like, for like, sure. Like have for a bunch sure. of people over with some pizza and some beer and stuff. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so that was our first movie. Um, the next one we'll go into uh, is a, one of my favorite movies. I watch it every year uh, around this time. Uh, kind of justify or kind of um, you know helps helps in the argument to take up for like comedy directors making movies now uh is American mm-hmm. Werewolf in London. Yeah. Um you know like Jordan Peele and like most recently David Gordon Green uh with the new Halloween which uh, I saw I saw the original for the first time last night. Really? Yeah, I went and saw it in a theater cuz oh, the, wow. the theater at Tuscaloosa does classic movies every Sunday and Wednesday. Yeah. So for October they're doing a bunch of horror stuff. So I watched 1978 Halloween in a crowded room and it was it was not fun it was not what it was it was a lot of fun but it wasn't what I was expecting like like I've been led to believe that that movie was like it's like the first slasher movie and it's like seriously terrifying you know like like really good like stalker with a knife type stuff you know it's not like Nightmare on Elm Street where it's like goofy and he's cracking jokes it's like seriously yeah demented and screwed up and it's not like I think it was that in 1978 um, the score for me makes that movie what it is. Like it's just uh, that, yeah. and just kind of. Uh, it's not <sighs> saying it's not scary is not the right take. It's, yeah, it's it's fun scary. Yeah, which is which is like that's what it's turned into with age. I think because you can see everywhere where people have like cribbed stuff from John Carpenter for sure especially from that like movie. he has a lot of fun in the early part of that movie where like the camera is like he'll have Inside people walk mask and yeah he'll have people well he'll have people walking down a sidewalk and he'll have the camera tracking them from the right side of the screen then he'll slowly move to the left mm-hmm. so he conditions you to expect something to come into the frame as the camera like gets to it and then you realize towards the end of that movie oh that's not what he was doing at all that's just how people have adopted his style. Yeah. And so there were, there were a lot of parts of the movie where I was expecting like, oh, it's going to come from right here because that's what I would do if I was directing this to be as scary as possible. And then he'll have just something pop up in the background and it's not nearly as shocking or unexpected as you would think. Yeah. And it's like, that's just what happens with like 40 years of time on a horror movie, I think. For sure. So it was kind of weird, like, you know, you go to see a, uh, a movie like that now, something like The Strangers, I think, which is, you know, Strangers is 10 years old at this point, I think it's still just as scary as the first time I saw it. That's probably. one of those I haven't seen that I, I need to see. So it, it's one of those things where it's really slow, like Halloween is, and then 
by the time something horrible is happening, it it is just sort of materialized out of nowhere. Like, like the the famous shot from that movie that everybody talks about is Liv Tyler just hanging out in the living room of this house, and then all of a sudden, the the main dude is just standing there in the middle of the room, and you don't realize like when exactly he appeared. He just slowly came out of the background in the darkness. Yeah, and you would like that's what I expected Halloween to be, and it's much more like. Every scare has a musical sting right before it, so you mm-hmm. know it's coming. Every murder like has some kind of tell, so it's not totally shocking, which yeah, is which a, is fine. Like it makes it a lot of fun to watch because it's like not as stressful as you were expecting. Right, uh, Donald Pleasance is a big like reason I like that movie. Well, there's a lot of things yeah. too. It's like that's you know I loved that movie when I was younger. Like even the shitty ones. Like, mm-hmm. uh, have you watched any of those Season of the Witch? Is great. Seen, yeah, I love Season, Season of the Witch. Season of the Witch is good. I've um, seen that. I enjoy... I'm going to do all of them with uh, Pat O'Keefe on here, but um, including the new one. But, uh, I mean, I think they're all fun. The the I think it's six with Paul Rudd. <laughs> they're trying to, like, justify... Uh, I don't want to get too into it because we're going to do an episode on it, but they're trying to... Uh, Justify like the roots of where Michael Myers came from, and it's like they they add this like cult element that's really yeah. dumb, and it's just it, it it's just which, let them just which be they just, already did in in season of the witch, and they did it better in that movie. Yeah, it's just that I don't know. It's it's, it's that's when it started kind of going downhill. But I'm excited about this new one. Uh, but this movie is kind of the first of its kind, which you know, directed by John Landis. Uh, his previous two movies were uh, Animal House and um, Blues Brothers. I think. I think that's the only two movies he'd made before this. Yeah. Uh, so he, you know, most pr- just just strictly comedy. Um, also, John Landis, uh, father of the very annoying Max Landis, uh, <laughs> just needs to go away. He's supposed to be remaking this. Supposedly. I think he's gone away. I think he got he got he got me-, me too. He got me too last year. Which is great. Uh, <laughs> I just I mean not for people he did it to, but uh, yeah. I mean. Personally, you gotta, you know, if that's the sacrifice you, to make him go away, you wouldn't say that's surprising. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, uh, I've heard, I heard shit about him when I lived in L.A. from people that had worked yeah. with him, and because uh, he did this video that included a lot of comedians in it, uh, which I hated. I was very on the fence about saying that I hated it publicly because a lot uh-huh. of people, like friends of friends and stuff, were in it or involved yeah. with it. Uh, it's this. Re- it's called wrestling. Is it wrestling? And it's this video he made about. Uh, I've heard of it. It's if you want to get annoyed. Uh, <laughs> I mean, watch it. It's it's everything about why I hate wrestling fans. Because yeah. I'm a wrestling fan, but I the fans are annoying. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of them are, and he. It's just the epitome of what I hate about wrestling fans. Everything about it. It's like this dude that's just way too excited about it, and uh, it's just eager. Like even if you don't want to fucking hear about it, he's gonna tell you about it. And uh, but yeah, fuck Max Landis. His <laughs> father is way more talented, and he I think killed somebody with a car, right? Uh, John Landis. Not, yeah, I think there was a stunt mishap. Yeah, in one of his um, movies. But yeah, this movie he's a good director though. I like uh, I like this movie a lot. It's one of my favorites. Uh, this one has Rick Baker, which we mentioned mm-hmm. before doing. Uh, we'll get to it, but one of the best, or the best, like transformation scene in any movie, yeah. I think. Um, that this this movie I remember from when I was a kid seeing on the so TV. I saw this movie for the first time last February. Yeah, you're seeing a lot of first. And this is this was one no matter what age I think the only can. the only one of these movies I well I'd seen Devil's Backbone and Salem's Lot before. Well, Salem's Lot kind of, but Devil's Backbone was like I watched it as a freshman in college I think. And, yeah. Um, but this like speaking just extemporaneously like this is probably 
the best movie, or at least my favorite movie I've watched in the last five years. Yeah, it's uh, so good on every single level. It's a, you know it's funny. It's um, it's legitimately scary. Uh, it's hard, like the first time I watched it, that scene where uh. Like, it starts out where the kids are watching the Muppets on TV. Yeah. And then the husband opens the door because the doorbell rings, and he's getting gunned down by, like, Nazi mutant werewolf people. I love that scene. That movie, like, that scene, uh, like, I I remember, like, leaning back in my chair and just feel, you feel all the hairs in the back of your neck stand up, because it's like, this movie's going to do anything. It's just anxiety, like, riddled with fucking anxiety. Totally. Like, and that's funny, because those dream sequences, there's, like, two or three of them in the first half hour and then they stop but you're keyed up for the rest of the movie yeah because of how awful they are like they're they're like holding that knife to his neck like as they're killing his family and they like wait to kill him last until after he's seen everybody die yeah and then he wakes up in the hospital and he's shocked he sees like the nurse goes to open the curtains and then she gets stabbed immediately after that and it's like it's just all at once it's like this movie this movie will pull any trick it it likes and it'll do it in like really horrifying terms and like I just wasn't prepared for any of it and it's yeah. like it's been a really long time since I've watched a horror movie that was like that just sort of and it's a comedy too like it just like yeah. it's pulling these stunts and it's like it just doesn't care what you think about it it's kind of the first of its kind as far as that like uh, with the horror comedy thing or I mean I guess Get Out would be considered that you know like uh, I I, I, I throw it in the same ballpark, I guess, just because Jordan the, Peele's the joke. A, the jokes in Get Out are more like, like, oh, I know that type of person because I listen to NPR. You sure, know, yeah. it's, they're like, it feels like it's an in thing with its audience for sure. Um, but yeah, this one's you know, <laughs> it sounds crazy because it's a better movie, but compared to Demon Knot, it's it's a lot easier to explain this one. Yeah, uh, it's just uh, two buddies go backpacking and. Uh, 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 Northern England. Yeah, Northern England, and one of them gets bit by a werewolf. Uh, one of them gets killed, too, uh, and yeah. he just runs away. Yeah. Uh, which reminds me, I don't like this guy. Uh, for it to be a movie I love, I, the main character, I don't like this guy. I think, I think he's very... He's he, very Harvardy, like, you he, know... He this, behaves very unsympathetically, but I think that... There's something convicting about that because, like, you mentioned in the first scene, his his friend is getting mauled to death. Yeah, and that's the other aspect of this movie that I really like is that like the male friendship at the core of this plot is really well done. Yeah, but it also has moments like the first werewolf attack where he just turns and starts running immediately, and you're like, <laughs> why are you not taking care of your friend? And like then he has this like he gets like thirty yards away, and then he's like. Oh my buddy, and then like turns around and runs back, and it's like there's nothing you can do now. Yeah, it's just he's a, just to his core, just a coward. Um, Th- that, and I think this movie does a really good job of putting its characters in positions where, like, no matter what they think the right course of action is, they don't take it because they can't handle the the pressure of that moment. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what his friend does for the rest of the film is, is he's like reminding him, it's like, hey, if, if you're going to do the responsible thing, you have to kill yourself. Yeah, which, which, which is, is really funny. Which too. is one of the better <laughs> jokes. Like the moral of this story is you're screwed. Kill yourself. Um, I have a note here too that just says these two guys definitely got me tooed if they were real people. Oh yeah, that conversation. That conversation in the beginning where they're uh, they're walking down the moor and um, uh, I can't remember the it, Griffin Dunn, the guy who gets killed. Um, Griffin Dunn is talking about 
this girl that he has a crush on and he's yeah he's talking about how great her body is now he wants to sleep with her all this stuff and his his friend is like you know you're just you gotta stop thinking with your dick man you're like you're not you're not approaching this properly you just want to have sex with her like it's not something you should like he's this felt this felt like a very authentic conversation between two guys. Absolutely, like I've had this conversation with people where, for sure, <laughs> where, where someone's being a horn dog and a jackass, and you're like, hey, just like calm down. Yeah, calm down, quit being a creep. Like you're gonna, <laughs> you know, you don't actually, you're not thinking this through, and you know, you're not being fair to her about it. But then at exactly. the end, at the end of that conversation, there's this moment where. He's just like, yeah, but her body though, and then there's that that's, that's that slight slight twinge where he's just like, yeah, like, yeah, like like he gets it, even though he's like, you shouldn't be acting this way for sure, which feels super true to life in that moment. Yeah, it's a very realistic like most guys have had this conversation. Um, I do think it's funny too when he comes to visit him uh, in the hospital, yes, and he's all mauled up, and he just keeps saying, you know, like which. He's like, I'm sorry to upset you, but he's yeah. like, I, I I don't mean to upset you, but it's like he's mauled by a fucking werewolf. As, when he's as this. makeup goes, like that's probably the most realistic looking makeup in the movie. That scared the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah, because he like, it looks like his face like doesn't have any depth anymore At on all, one it's... side of his chin, and you can see, like, there's flaps of skin just hanging off while he yes. talks, and they're like waggling there. I distinctly remember this part from when I was a kid because that and the transformation scene, that scene in particular when he's like in the hospital talking to him, like, I would like beg my dad to fucking turn it off. Yeah. My dad, lo- which by the way, in hindsight, is hilarious. Uh, I don't know if it's like abusive behavior, yeah. but uh, he would get a real kick out of me, like, being terrified. <laughs> like, he just like would laugh his ass off. But it, uh, it's. I love that scene too because like his his friend who he thought was dead shows back up and it's like okay I've got to process the fact that my friend is either back to life or I'm having some sort of hallucination and they're still cracking like these super dry jokes at one another yeah where Griffin Dunn's talking about like how many people came to his funeral he's like I even yeah. I even think they liked me and then did <laughs> Without missing a beat, David just goes, well, I mean, I liked you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, they just resume the conversation after that. Exactly. And then, he's, you know, he's talking about some girl he wanted to sleep with, too, like, when he's there. and uh, It's that same girl from the first conversation. Yeah, exactly. And she shows up with another guy. Yeah. And he's like, can you believe she picked it, this dude to, like, drown it, her sorrows with? It, it, his funeral. Yeah. <laughs> it's... It's really funny, you know, like, even though... And I, I do think these guys are supposed to come off also as just kind of... Uh, for lack of a better word, like city folk kind of, yeah. like Harvard, uh, Yale, you know, Ivy and League kind of almost. The, the main guy has like really younger siblings. Yeah. Um, and it, it like it's clear like he, these these people have never really like they're stout middle upper class people who like haven't really had any real problems. Exactly, it's exactly what they come off like, and I think they they do that really well. Um, I think the the music they use is great. Everything, every song involved has the word moon in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, like Van Morrison, Moon Dance, uh, uh, Bad Moon Rising by uh, CCR, which, I mean, you know, if that if you don't like them, I, you, you have that's shitty a, taste. That's a great I, sequence, too, because it plays when, because that movie is all about, like, bad things are about to happen and it, it plays over a sequence where he's bored and like, yeah it's it, that, that part's one of my favorite parts. can't figure out what to do with his, with his free time right I think it's used really well it's not like they just use that you know haha it's you know got the word moon in it yeah. it's used really well uh, then he you know obviously the best fucking part in the movie is when he's the transformation scene yeah uh, good god like I, that, 
I haven't seen anything that good since then. It's like, so, like, you can say, okay, you can look at it and say, like, okay, if this were made today, obviously this would happen a little bit more quickly or they would try to blend it. Like, it wouldn't. it's done in stages where it's, like, first it's his hands mm-hmm. and then it's his back and then it's his legs or, like... The sound design is awesome just because you're hearing every it's single just like joint. It's like crunching, like... It every, sounds painful. The noise where his, like, face comes out of his other face, like his wolf face comes forward, and you, like, hear all the bones, like, stretching and cracking. It sounds painful. Yeah. And, like, it sounds real, and it's just, like, it's legit, like, terrifying. And he's screaming the entire time. And he's screaming for help. Um, It's just... God, it just... It's, like, it's so realistic. But I mean, it if looks that were so to- good. Like, the hand, actually, when it... When it uh, they they got like a they loaded this rig with this hand like and this like extension back piece of the palm and then they were like pushing a broomstick with a spring in it to make it expand yeah like just out of frame and all this stuff like go if you watch this movie go look up like the behind the scenes stuff because it's all on YouTube you can yeah, see there's tons like of a, footage there's like a whole like uh, just that scene like it took them like, like a week to shoot and they had like different rigs for there's a there's a part where he is standing in the hole in the floor and then the rig for his torso is like being pushed out and it's on another like stretchy spring rig and all this stuff and he's like pretending to writhe around yeah but then they like they cut to a different photo and it's like him just standing you can see like he's wearing blue jeans and he's just standing in a stage with like all the top part of his makeup on oh wow it's it's really cool it's um yeah and it's i mean sure it takes a week to do for just that small amount of time, but God, like, isn't that worth it though? Like, yeah. it's like so many people reference that scene as like one of the that that is the best transformation. And, and like, scene. it's like, you only need to see it once and you won't forget it. Like, yeah, I saw it when I was a kid, uh, and it was just like I wasn't even watching the movie. It was like showing some behind the scenes thing, and it showed that whole transformation scene, and that like stuck with me my mm-hmm. whole life before I even saw the actual movie. Yeah, like you see all the extra hair poking through his skin on his back and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's really like actually terrifying. And, and they stuff. know, like, they also had the, and this is probably a budgetary thing, but they also had the foresight to make sure that they didn't repeat that again, or, because when he transforms for the second time in the movie theater, they focus on different things. Yeah. So like, you see all the big stuff, like his, his hands and his face and all the hair that he grows in the first time. And then the second time you see his claws come through his fingernails. Yeah. And it's like, what are the, what are the gross details did we have that we didn't show the first time? Let's put them into the second transformation. It's so good. Um, so, I mean, we can wrap this one up. Uh, I mean, this, I would give this, this movie's awesome. This is like perfect score. Yeah. This is a five star movie. Um, it's exactly what I like. I watch it every year, uh, especially, you know, around this time. Uh, so yeah, it's five star. The other thing too is like werewolf movies are really tricky because people have different opinions on what it does, on what a werewolf should look like, if it should be more animalistic or more masculine or whatever. And I love the werewolf in this movie because it looks mostly just like a big wolf, but it also, it just looks fucking evil. Yeah, it looks terrifying. Like, when you look at, like, this is the only werewolf I've seen in a movie. Like, there are other werewolves that look mean and, like, you know, they snarl at you, whatever, and they look scary, I guess. But, like, this one, I think it's the film stock that they use and, like, the lighting for it. And it's got yeah. these huge yellow eyes. That shit is fucking horrific. And, like, uh, uh, the scene at the end of the movie where she's, where uh, Jenny A. Gutter is standing in the alleyway. And, she, and she's like, I love you. You know, I'm, I'm sorry about all this. Please like transform back and then it, it just cuts back to the animal's face and it's like there's no reasoning with this thing at yeah. all 
this is not who you thought it was. And it just, like, I saw it when I was 28 for the first time. Like, it's it's so scary. It is. It really is. Like, it's, it's I, you know, like I said, when I saw the transformation scene, I was like, it does stick with you, like, yeah. shit like that. Like, it's, uh, that's the old, that's the first thing for years till I actually watched the movie that I remember. Yeah, or like, the, the guy he chases in the tube station, and he, like, gets, he trips on the escalator. Yeah, yeah. And then you see it. Like, the camera's up way high behind him on the escalator, and then you just see the wolf walk in at the bottom of the frame. And, like, even... It looks like it's, like, 80 feet away. And even from that distance, it's just massive. Like, yeah. it's this huge hulking... It's on these big, like, cantilevered legs. I love that the Piccadilly Circus scene where it's, like, stomping around. Yeah. And it's just, like, snapping its jaws at people. It's fucking... It's terrifying. That's, it, it's like, a, it looks kind of hokey. Like, you can see what the rig would have looked like outside the camera, but it's still, like, It's terrifying. just effective, though. It's, it's Yeah, and, like, the, the Foley sound on his snapping his jaws shut... Whoever did the Foley work on this is great, especially, yeah. like, uh, you know, like, when you can hear, like, the bones stretching and shit. Like, that's just so yeah. fucking, like, painful. It's just, like, it's one of, like, you pick up your legs and you just, like, perch in your chair because it's so freaky. It is. It's, like, it, that is one of those movies I can, like, say without, like, you know, any exaggeration that it's still fucking scary. Um, but, yeah, fucking perfect movie. If you haven't seen it, you know... Uh, uh, we probably just spoiled a bunch of shit, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you don't know what it would be about anyway, if you're it's watching the it. the movie's 36 years old, 38 years old. You should have seen old. it by now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. 1981, 37, it's 37. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the next movie we saw was uh, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's The Devil's Backbone. Oh, The Devil's Backbone. Um, me, personally, I'm, you know, not a huge del Toro fan. Uh, he has, you know... Some good movie. I like Mimic. Not a lot of people do. It's it's one of my favorites That's, of his. You are the first person I've met that likes Mimic. I love Mimic. Uh, I think Josh Brolin's great in it. Uh, he's really uh, funny in that movie, kind of like in a Billy Zane's funny and Demon Knot kind of way. I should watch that again because I, I it's I've, decent. It's I've not, only seen it once and I I didn't like it when I watched it. It's not one of well I wouldn't say it's my favorite of his, but it's one of my favorites of his. I like that. I like Hellboy. You know, I like Blade Two, which I don't think would have mattered if he made it or not. Honestly, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. People say Blade Two is like really good and really underrated. No, it's it's fine. Yeah, it's a fine movie. It's okay. But uh, I hate The Shape of Water. I hate that movie. Shape of Water is hot garbage. It's dog shit. Um, I hated that movie. Yeah, uh, and. Honestly, I don't like this one too much either. This one's not a good movie, I don't think. This uh, is... I watched this... I was a freshman, and I remember liking it a lot at the time, and mm-hmm. then coming back to it like a dozen years later, it's like... The thing that kept hitting me over and over is like, oh, this is a really good college movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another, Worthy of mentioning to Kronos... Hang on. Is, uh, is your mixer on? Oh, no, I don't. I don't I'm using the Zoom. Okay, because yeah. I was like... <laughs> yeah, well, if we didn't record any of this, I'd lose my shit. No, no worries. We're good. Because um, the power switch is on the O, so... Oh, no, no, okay. we're good. I'm not going to use this fucking thing anymore. Okay, good. Uh, we're, wait, this is going to be crisp through this, baby. It's yeah. going to be fucking amazing. But this um, is like... This is a good movie to watch if you're just getting into, like, film study. Sure. And you want to see a movie where every small detail has some larger meaning behind it. Yeah. It's a good movie to pick apart. Um, But it's not... What, I, I, it's got some really good aspects to it, but it's not as good as his best stuff. No, for sure not. Like, um, not even close. I don't know how to, if I'm saying this guy's name right. Federico Lupi. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He is right. in He's in Kronos, uh, which is my favorite movie of Del yeah. Toro's. Uh, yeah. He's the lead in that, and uh, he's in this movie. He's really great in it. The, the main kid 
is uh, really good in it. Uh, it's a lot of great acting. Sp- it's Span- shot- Spanish Eli Roth is really good in it. Yeah, dude, I, that's <laughs> what I thought too. He looks like the, he looks like Eli Roth and Inglorious Bastards. Masters, yeah. Um, absolutely. Just fucking like Eli Roth. He's good in it. Uh, everybody's great in it. It's shot well. Um, the ki- the kids are like realistically kid like, but they're not annoying. Very much. They, they you yeah. know, uh, Del Toro's writing's weird in this. The yeah. stuff he, yeah, you know, the slurs he uses are weird. What does he say? He's like, "You are a shit" or something. You are a shit. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a honest. That that's is, something an old lady would say. That is well. That's the type of thing a kid would say because they're not good at swearing yet. That or like an old lady that never swears, but yeah. it's brought out of her. You yeah. know. Um, it, it's shot beautiful. I watched it on Criterion, the, the Blu-ray Criterion restoration they did. Um, the color palette for this movie is excellent. Yeah, everything about it, except I just don't give a fuck about what's going on. It's it very just, boring. It. So he made this movie, and then he made Pan's Labyrinth five years later, and they're both kind of... Like, they're both... One, one, one is a fairy tale, and the other one's a ghost story, and they use the Spanish Civil War as their backdrop. Yeah. And the thing is... Uh, Maybe you'll get more out of this movie if you know more of that history. Sure. But it doesn't feel like, apart from the fact that, you know, these kids are in danger, it really doesn't feel like that affects the plot that much. Not at all. It, it doesn't. It feels like it's two different movies almost, even. It's like... Maybe even three. Yeah, it's like the, this guy, Spanish Eli Roth, wants to steal the gold that's being hidden, that's supposed to be for the communists, I guess. But, yeah. And then he's got, like, two accomplices that he brings in at the end of the movie to steal it. And it's like, okay, there's another movie happening where these guys are doing, like, their version of Three Kings. Right. There, there's the first movie. And then and then the rest of it is these kids, and they, I don't know, they go to school, and also one of them has been murdered, and they're trying to solve the mystery of that. Yeah. Which is, mm-hmm. I was more interested in that. Yeah. I, w- I wish it, it would have touched on It doesn't take that. up a lot of time. It really doesn't. I was more interested in that. I, I was more, you know, I thought I would see more of the, the, the kid's ghost. Yeah. He pops up, like, twice. Yeah. Uh, and those are really good scenes. I yeah, mean, I, that that was when I was you know kind of like I think that's the best part of this movie. Absolutely, is, is the first time you see the ghost kid when he's uh, he like leads them down to the basement where the pool is. Yes, and then he runs around the column, and then the camera just pans, and you just see his face just standing there. Yeah, it's it's really good. Like it jump made me jump a little bit. Um, it's it's you know like I was like man you know if this is gonna you know, stay at this pace kind of, and, yeah. uh, you know, delve more into this. This is probably going to be like another Del Toro movie. I like, but, but that, yeah. And that, that shot is like a perfect, like it's, it's like three seconds long, maybe. Yeah. And that, that shot is like everything you need to know about Guillermo del Toro in like one tiny little microfilm. Cause like one of the things I love about del Toro is like his whole thing is like, he always sympathizes with the monster. Yes. Like, that, like that's his whole thing. That's what he's obsessed with. And, yes. um, this kid, like, the camera pans around the column, and you see this ghost kid standing there. And it's shocking, because it, it's got this weird, like, pale white composite effect over his face, and he's got this, like, ghostly blood leaking out of his head. Mm-hmm. But, and so it's, like, horrifying in that sense. You're like, oh, shit, it's a ghost, you know? But the camera stays on his face for just a second, and you look closely, and, like, one of his eyes is, like, out of alignment. Yeah. And you can tell, like, he can't see straight, and he looks, he's got this kind of sad frown on his face. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's all you need to tell, like, oh, this is something you should pity. Yes. Like, this is not, like, a scary monster. This is, like, a kid who... Or this is a ghost, like, you should... You should feel bad for it. And when you find out, like, 
how he died, oh, yeah. it makes it even you feel even more yeah. sorry for him. It's like but, it's it's actually really hard to watch that part. Yeah, I'm not like um, somebody that gets uh, squeamish or anything usually, but like it was like it depends on like your mood. Yeah. But if you're watching that scene and you're like going through depression or something, mm-hmm. it might not be the best thing. It's it's very unsettling. Did and you a- see Did you see Hereditary? I did. Okay. That, which is interesting. We can talk about that for a second, actually. Well, so I've seen half of Hereditary. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up because I saw <laughs> yeah. your post about it. Yeah, well, so I was going to say, like, since we're talking about violence against kids, um, like, obviously the scene in, in Devil's Backbone is, like, really tragic, and it's also really infuriating once you find out, like, what this guy did. Yeah. And, like, how, how selfish he is and how cowardly he is to, like, kill this kid, kill this child, and then abandon it and try and cover it up. Right. Um... Versus something like Hereditary, where it's it's like you expect there to be sort of unwritten rules about screenwriting, mm-hmm. and one of them is that like you don't fuck up children in incredibly gruesome ways. Yeah, which that movie like that was one of those things where spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't oh, yeah. seen Hereditary, which is fun. Uh, I think anybody it's, who's interested in Hereditary has already seen it. Yeah, definitely. It's, definitely, uh, it's a niche movie. I was even late to the game and I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Uh, but um, yes, it's... it's. It, I will say this, though. Like, you're, I agree with what you're saying, but like in a movie like Hereditary, which is just deeply upsetting yeah. the whole time, uh, it's effective, I feel like. Because um, that movie just like tops itself. Well, on. because that moment... That so I went in thinking this is the reason I left. I went in thinking this is going to be a really good like I'm in the mood for a good ass horror movie. I want to mm-hmm. be scared. I want to have a fun time. Like I'm in this for the thrill. And then it gets to that scene, and I was like, oh, I didn't want something. Yeah, like I'm not in the mood for this, this. bad. <laughs> I'm not in the mood for this. Right I didn't now. <laughs> want something this traumatized. Like I wanted to be scared. I didn't want to be traumatized. Right. You know. I took a date to see that movie. <laughs> And this is after I saw your post. Yeah. It's a, well, so I was sitting there and I was like, I don't want to be here right now. And then there's that scene where uh, the son is laying in bed and you hear you hear Tony Collette find the daughter's body in the car. Yeah. And the camera's focused on him and you have to listen to her reaction to yeah, it. Yeah. I could see being like, you know, not in the mood for that. And then kind of just like, you know, I think well, it, it's like I can I can handle people being stabbed, beaten and, you know, just abused in all sorts of ways mm-hmm. i don't want to hear like actual human trauma yeah it's like they that movie really piles it on right and then there. yeah and then so and then a few minutes later there's this the first scene where um he's in the bedroom and then you hear the tongue click mm-hmm. thing and at that moment i was like i'm out i'm leaving i can't I don't, do this. i don't want to i don't want to deal with this you can have my ten dollars that's understandable that's you i'll know, watch i'll watch this at home i knew exactly like when after, because I, I saw your uh, your post first, then I went to see it, yeah. and I was like, "This is definitely what Adam was talking about." Yeah. But yeah, like when you you talk about like the part after when she finds the child's body in the car, and that's that to me it. like makes that scene ten times worse. It's really unsettling, but I, it, it is. That said, you know, it is one of my favorite movies of the year just because it's. Uh, I like movies like that just because uh, I thought it was effective in making me feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't necessarily. Enjoy That's the other it. thing that, like, Tony Collette's character. She also she's got that scene where she's at the grief counseling group, and mm-hmm. she like explains everything that went down when she was between her dad and, like, her dad starves himself. Yes. To just, death, and it's like this. It's is, just really depressing. It was it was heavy in a way I did not want from a particular kind of horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not like a run of the mill. It's more like in the vein of like Rosemary's Baby, yeah. or except way more upsetting yeah, than that. And, and Devil's Backbone is similar in that. 
like it's a tragedy more than anything. Absolutely. Um, uh, I, I don't necessarily like it, but I mean, I think if they would also, have stuck it's a to really it. good villain death, like him getting yes, him yes. getting him getting uh, Lord of the Flies by the kids. Yeah, absolutely. And then dragged down by the gold, like that was cool. This is a really good college movie. Like, if you just want symbolism and like all that kind of like froofy film student subtext to You'll go definitely with, love to it. go with your horror movie, this is great. Like, oh, the bomb. There is an unexploded bomb in the middle of the, the orphanage. Yes. <laughs> and this is to represent the presence of war and how it will destroy everything. Like, you can just right. see, like, the commentary behind this. Yes, absolutely. Like, <laughs> well, Del Toro, too, uh, you know, I really try with him. I do. Um, <coughs> I, I, I really want to like him. But to me, he's just kind of like a, uh, a less talented um, Peter Jackson to me. Uh, I like Peter Jackson. I think Jackson. they're about on the same level. Oh, well, Peter Jackson, like Del Toro, I think has made up that gap just with sheer volume. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Jackson's Jackson's got what? He's made some very campy, like underrated, like The Frighteners. He's, is one yeah, of my he's favorite. got like he's got like eight major features, and two of those are big trilogies. And they're my least favorite of his. Yeah, even. like yeah. I love uh, like the Dead, Fright- The Frighteners is really good. It's one of my favorite like movies. I wish I had it because I would have definitely had it. And, and Meet the Feebles is really fun. Meet the Feebles, which they just tried to basically do again with uh, what's the... Happy Time Murders? Happy Time. I can't even watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, as expected, it got terrible fucking reviews. But just, it's just, That was supposed to be a straight-to-Netflix movie, and then it, they were like, no, nah, let's let's put it out in theaters because who's going to compete with us? It's just like... And it's we, like, uh, Taste, that's who's going to compete with us. Absolutely. You. It's just like, we get it. Puppets aren't supposed to be doing these things. It's it's been done, and it's been done better. Like Team America did that, you yeah. know, fifteen years ago, and it was funny. And um, Meet, the, Meet the Feebles is like what twenty five years old. Yeah, it was like early early nineties. So it's been done twice effectively. I think Team America's yeah. funny. Uh, That's not a concept that needs. It doesn't need to be brought back. Refinement, not at all. Uh, no. I, like it's funny that I mentioned Team America actually because I've just been I've been kind of like you know. I wonder if South Park's still funny, and I just started the new season. I don't season. know. <laughs> I did, well, the new season just started, and I watched it, and it is. It, it, you know, it's just, I don't know what it is about the fan base. Uh, people that are always current with it are just, in, have terrible taste. Yeah. But it well, is. adults who are, I think South Park is something you're supposed to watch after your parents think you've gone to bed. Exactly. Um, but it's, uh, I mean, it's still funny. Uh, I think, uh, I think how they do the show is interesting. Oh, yeah. Um. It's still funny, but it's just it's. There's something like as as a as a as a stand-up comedian who frequently like tonight we're gonna go to Marty's after this. Yes. Like I didn't have a set this morning when I woke up. Mm-hmm. I've got five minutes. Who knows if it's good? But I'm gonna you know. Yeah. I'm gonna pitch it tonight. And we'll see. The way that's the same way they handle that show and like for how consistently good it is. At least when I was watching it, that's insane. It is like, and it's just them mainly. You know, and they especially have a, for just like how much of it is just them sitting around a table, just riffing. It it, it is. It, it's just um, I don't know. I think that's amazing, especially like doing it as long as they have and not at least being like, I'm tired of this now. I let's would be do, yeah. Let's I, do something else. And like, didn't they have an episode? It was like three or four years ago where they were like the characters were very strongly hinting. Hey, we're tired of this. We'd like to stop. Yeah, yeah. And this season, their whole campaign, their their advertising campaign is cancel South Park. So the, <laughs> the first episode of this season, that's kind of sad, actually. It, I think they really do want. I think end that's it. what they wanted for South Park was yeah. to push a boundary so far that they couldn't. 
Exactly. But they, more, like, that's what they're doing now because the, the, the season premiere was a school shooting at South Park. Oh, gosh. And it's like, but but they do it kind of tastefully because... I kind of um, like that that's how they want to go. Well, it's in, their, their take on it's interesting because what it is, there's a, a bomb squad comes in during class and they're just kind of like still teaching around it and like like it's like oh it's this again and yeah, like yeah. it's like nothing's happening and like uh, uh it's Stan's mom yeah Stan's mom is just kind of like the only parent that's like distraught over it and mm-hmm. like uh, uh Randy is just kind of like uh okay okay calm down like uh, I'm just kind of confused about you know why you're all hysterical yeah. and it's like nobody the 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 Which is, of that, in my it? experience, that's very accurate. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, it does seem like, you know, the norm now. Uh, yeah, I, I, here's the weird thing, like, talking about this... I'll, I'll make one comment, and then we should move. We should get back to Devil's Back. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, uh, <laughs> like, I, I've been a school teacher for seven years, and it's weird, like, the day, the day Sandy Hook happened, I took my kids on a field trip. I took them to see the first Hobbit movie, because we had read it in class. And then I remember we got out of the theater, and it was like everything on Twitter was, this is what's going on. And it was like one of those nine eleven moments where it's like you know exactly where you were when it happened. Yeah, yeah. Because the news was so awful. And um, I remember like that afternoon, like I broke down in my car and just started like sobbing because I was thinking, like imagining myself in that moment. Yeah. Like and how awful that must have been. Which I mean, it should be clarified. You're a you're a uh, teacher. Yeah, I teach elementary school and uh, buy my album. Um, <laughs> and uh, the. But the truth is, and this ties into the South Park thing, like you do as much it sucks to say this, but it's true, you do get desensitized to the news. Yeah. And eventually like you just you're just like, well it's it's like the scene in MASH where uh what's his name? Wh- who's the first who's the first leader they had on that show before Colonel Potter? I have no fucking clue. Okay. My mom would be great to ask. Yeah, it's 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 no the guy idea. the guy who wore the fishing hat, uh, like, oh, uh he gets replaced. And so he gets put on a helicopter and they fly him home. And then that, no that helicopter word. gets shot down, and he dies. Yeah. And they, they find... It's like the end of one of the episodes. Like, they're all in surgery. They're working on everything. And somebody... I think Radar comes in, and he gives them the news. He's like, hey, the helicopter was shot down. He's dead. And everybody looks up, and then looks at each other, and then just goes back to doing surgery. Yeah. And it's a lot like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm not, I'm, I'm not a teacher. I'm not around that as much. But, I mean, I do... I mean, you know, when Sandy Hook happened, it was just like, fuck, this is awful, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, me personally, I have been desensitized to it for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Devil's Back. Which is why I don't think... <laughs> so yeah, Spanish Eli Roth kills this kid. <laughs> Which I'm also desensitized to seeing yeah. uh, this child murder and all it's these... A, yeah, it's a, it's a really heavy sequence. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's... I think it plays Del Toro's strengths. It's really poetic. It's one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, sure. it's really poetic. Um, it, it's weird. You know, I don't... I don't... I would not watch this again. But I do I do see why... If somebody said they did like it, I wouldn't argue with them. I'm glad... It. So, we talked over Twitter while we were prepping this. And I said, you were watching it. And you were like, yeah, this is kind of slow. And I said, did you get to the sex scene? Yet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's when it hit me. That's the only thing I remembered from this movie. <laughs> that makes sense. That I saw once 12 years ago. So Spanish Eli Roth is having sex with the one-legged, with a one-legged woman. woman. Yeah, I definitely remember that. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be the only thing I remember, too. Yeah. Um, I would have to give this probably, I guess, two stars. You know, uh, not terrible, but, you know, a little sluggish and... Yeah. Uh, just kind of doesn't know what it wants to be it doesn't I, seem like yeah i give it a three i think um 
all the all the subtextual elements and stuff like that stuff is there's a ton of it and if you're the type of person who likes to watch movies and sort of pick them apart and try to I'm sure the commentary track for this is great cuz like I think Del Toro's best feature as a filmmaker is that he's like better at film commentaries than 90% of directors. Absolutely. He, it's one of the only things I enjoy about him. Uh, I think he would be great to hang out with oh, and, yeah. and nerd out over shit yeah. with. He's, he's you know, like just a, a really into what he's into. Um, yeah. But he's, he's also, really sincere. And I he's think very sincere. His, and, his worst movies kind of bring that out of him a lot. Like He's very uh, overambitious, though. He, he, yeah. Uh, like, you could, like, if you watch Shape of Water, you can tell, like, this isn't really a problem conceptually. It's that nobody told this dude no yeah, at any point absolutely. in the making of this film. And it's also like, why the fuck did this win Best Picture? Does anybody know. else see like, a problem? What else came out last year? That, hang on, I'm going to... Phantom this. Thread. Uh, okay, yeah, Phantom Thread was fantastic. Um, get Out. Um, you know, everything else was better. Uh, you know, you had the Florida Project. I don't know if that was nominated. I think Phantom Thread should have taken it over The Shape of Water. Uh yeah. What were the nominees? Uh, Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, Three Billboards, Call Me by Your Name, Lady Bird, and The Post. I think that um, were the other ones we didn't mention. I think that either Lady Bird or Call Me by Your Name should have yeah. beat that out. Um, I would go. Well, I don't know. I think of those, I think either Phantom Thread or Get Out is probably the best movie. Absolutely. Uh, D- uh, Dunkirk, I didn't enjoy, but I was think... was Phantom Thread and uh, uh, Get Out on best on that list too. Yeah, yeah. This, this oh, is yeah. the list. Yeah. Phantom Thread, uh, for sure. I watched that again recently. Uh, I'm a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan. Uh, really? I didn't. Yeah, I, 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 I've never listened to this show before. Yeah, I, like I think everybody knows by now. Like yeah. most of my favorite movies are his. Um, but I think I like Phantom Thread better than There Will Be Blood. <laughs> um, I don't hate There Will Be Blood. That's a bold statement. It is bold, but I, really, I would. I don't know. I just the rewatch value it on, on a given day. I would probably rather watch Phantom Thread. The pacing is a little because it's more, not three hours long. Yeah, and it, it's just paced better, and it's uh, it's not as stressful. It's funny, like it's funny, it's really funny. Yeah, I, I think I think it's great. Um, but that's for another podcast that uh, hopefully yeah. me and Chris Abi will start soon. Yeah, uh, Dunk Dunkirk is I don't know. Dunkirk was um, I'm I just kind of don't need another World War Two movie. I, did, I didn't like Dunkirk, but I also think like like I'll never watch another movie like that. No, it's very it's a really good like film experience. It's very immersive, like you know, like yeah. uh I wish I would have saw it in IMAX. Uh, I, I did, and it was see, that's, phenomenal. That's what I've heard is if you didn't see it in IMAX, you kind of just missed the boat on that one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it looks beautiful. It sounds great. Uh, I just think it was kind of an immersive experience. You just kind of had to witness an IMAX. Yeah. Because I like Christopher Nolan uh, a lot. You know, um, you know, The Dark Knight is uh, one of my favorite movies. I think that's safe to say at this point. I watched it again recently. It's just, I can't. If that movie is on, like at a bar or something, like I have to, like, I can't, I can't look at that movie if it's on TV because it just completely it wrecks. sucks you in. It sucks you. Like I have, no matter what part it starts from, I have to watch the whole thing. Yeah, like I was just kind of like, I'll start, I'll watch, you know, the beginning when I watched it again when it was on Netflix, and I just ended up watching it again because I mean yeah. that that opening scene's like one of the best ever. I had to go to bed like I had I had school the next morning, had to be up at six thirty, and uh. I saw it was on Netflix at like nine thirty, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah, I have just enough time." It's one of those where, yeah, if you have time, you're gonna want to watch. I went to see it three times in theaters. I took my dad. I mean, I made my dad go. I'm like, "You're gonna love this fucking movie. Please go see this." And my he dad, did. Uh, 
My dad's got work to do. I, <laughs> He's just not gonna fucking. No, I know. I I showed it to him after after it came out on on DVD, and he fell asleep. Oh no! And I was like, "How did you?" And then at the beginning, you, even <laughs> like, no, no, no. This was like he fell asleep like halfway through the movie, and which, granted, it's my dad. If you know him, that's not surprising. But okay. <laughs> and then, like years later, I showed him the Avengers, and he was like, "Hey, that was really good. I really enjoyed that." Oh come on! I was like, yeah, Dude, I, I, there's two types of people. You come know, on. there's two types of people as far as like movie goers go. So yeah, um, there's Avengers people. Well, no, and the thing is, like, my dad is like, he's like super bookish and highbrow, and loves Christopher Nolan, and it's like, yeah. If if he's gonna be into one superhero movie, it should be The Dark Knight. They just couldn't. He but just... no, he it's it's this weird thing. Like every Christmas, we he's like, well, so what did Marvel put out this year? I'm like, oh, we'll, we'll watch Guardians Volume Two, and then he'll get to the end. He was like, yeah, it was kind of crass, but I enjoyed it. And, you know, like, <laughs> but he like, but he couldn't get into The Dark Knight. Could, yeah, just I don't know why. Just put him to sleep. Um, I mean, I just I don't like the Avengers movie. I, I tried to like Infinity War. It could be also I, I pretty much got broken up with like, and I knew a breakup was about to happen oh, during that sucks. it. Uh, but I mean, I just I that aside from it, I don't. That think movie's it was a big good. downer too. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad one for that. But uh, it just I don't think I liked it anyway. You know, like I don't. It just didn't really get me. I've I've come to the point where uh, I, I think I've realized I can't have an objective conversation about Marvel films. Um, like, like there are some things you're just such a big fan of that, like it, like some of those movies aren't great. Like Iron Man Two is not very good, and Incredible Hulk's not very good. But they all meet, like all of them are at least like a six, you know. Yeah, I enjoy a and lot that's of them. All I need to be like really, really pleased with them. Sure, I, uh, you know, I enjoy. So, a like, lot I of couldn't them. tell you if Infinity War is good or not. Sure, like that, I, I loved it, but I don't know. Like my calculus is totally broken. Yeah, because I'm so I'm so invested in the rest of them. I understand that. Uh, I mean, I love. There's certain Marvel movies I like. You know, there's some I'm just not gonna fucking see because of lack of interest. But there's yeah. some that I, I I love, just fucking love that I think are I, perfect. You know, that, that's the other thing. I am secretly like really looking forward to Avengers four because I feel like at that point. I can finally stop caring. Yeah. Like, I've, I've seen every Marvel film at this point. I think you can after that. I mean, because it feels like out of duty, and it's like, yeah, this is their, like, the end of the, like, the really big your plot that they've been building over the last decade. That's something you can get some fulfillment out of. It's finally getting of. wrapped up, and it's like, okay, whatever happens after this, like, they proved that their experiment worked. It'll feel, uh, like, you know, and you know, and then they'll bring in the X Men, and like, who knows if that'll be good or anything. Hopefully, man, I really enjoy uh, the X Men. That's that's some of the Marvel movies I do enjoy. I like, you know, Deadpool. I didn't like Deadpool two. I, I thought it was unnecessary. Was it's bad. garbage. Uh, just a hot topic T shirt jokes the whole fucking time. But um, I love the first half hour when it does like the James Bond credits yeah, parody. And there were some fun things too. Uh, you know, I did like Cable. Uh, I like that. Uh, you know. That's about it. <laughs> it's yeah. really nothing else. Yeah. But, I mean, it's cool that we're still going on about this because uh, we should wrap it up kind of soon. This is going to piss you off a little bit, but I could not finish Salem's Lot. I, I think it's... I didn't know it was going to be... A, it's okay. I finished it. I can, I can tell you what happened. Yeah, like... <laughs> okay, good, because I just... Man, I didn't know that it was a miniseries. I own the... I the, thought it was a miniseries, and then I started watching it, and I was like, why is the three hours long? Yeah, I know. That's why I was like, oh, no. Oh, it's because they cut it together in a movie, but didn't actually cut anything. Right. And I knew that, like, uh, I, I watched it long enough to know that Fred Willard's in it. In some very fetching satin shorts. Yeah. <laughs> I might add. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just... Maybe it's good. Did you enjoy it at all? Or So this, I want to... 
I picked this movie uh, out of the pool that you had recommended. Right. Because I remember my dad rented this movie when I was like 15 or 16. And I remember watching with him on a Friday night. And I was sick. Like I had a fever or something. So I'm on the couch while we're watching this movie. And I fall asleep. And then I, I just remember waking up at all the worst possible moments. Oh, no. <laughs> so like I remember... Wait, I remember my memory of this movie is me being sweaty on a couch under a blanket with like just flop sweat and then waking up and seeing the kid in the window like yeah. floating and then being terrified like what the shit is that and then immediately passing out which is the worst time because I'm so keyed up from being sick and alarmed at the same time yeah so I picked this movie because I was like you know I should watch the whole thing and actually see what it's about um and it's I don't know it seemed very just abysmal and it, just. It is. It's a made-for-TV. It's movie. eighty minutes of movie in a three-hour package. Yeah, and the, I actually like the first hour because the first hour is really standard Stephen King. Like you can tell it's a Stephen King movie because everybody uses their first and last names with each other. Yeah, which is like that's that. Like there's this. Uh, I got it in my notes. There's a scene. Of the kid runs in, tells his mom. He goes. He goes. Mother, Danny, and Ralphie Glick are coming over. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that's not what you would say to your parents. That's uh, that's the children of uh, Jiminy Glick, right? Yeah, Martin Martin <laughs> Shorts. <laughs> that show was fucking hilarious. Did you see the the Martin Shorts Steve Martin Netflix special? I didn't. There was one thing in the trailer that made me laugh. Okay. And I, I mean, I didn't. It's funny. It's really good. And Jiminy Glick shows up for like ten minutes. Really? Yeah. That that's bad. That that's the only thing that hooked me. <laughs> I mean, Jiminy Glick was a funny character. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like the the characters are all like, oh, this dude's a writer from Maine, and he's hanging out in Maine, and super creepy things are happening in Maine. Yeah, like it's just this is about as Stephen King as you can possibly get. Yeah, um, I think the first hour actually sets up some really good character drama, and this is where you can see it being a TV miniseries. Is that it's really slow, and you're hanging out with Fred Willard's like a realtor. And then there's James Mason as an antique salesman and this writer guy. And it's like, what is the point of all these characters? What are they? Why am I? Lo- I thought this was supposed to be like a horror story. What's going on? Right. It's like there's no stakes and no plot really in the first hour. And then things come together at the end. There's like this. Uh, uh, there's this affair subplot that's happening at the same time as James Mason being this creepy dude hiring this guy to go pick up a package for him. And then you find out the guy he hired is the husband of the dude who's sleeping with Fred Willard. And so he hires two other guys to go get the package for him while he waits with a shotgun to catch Fred Willard with his wife and stuff. And it's like, there's some good character drama there. Completely irrelevant to the rest of the movie. Yeah. And it totally disappears after the first hour. But like, it doesn't say it doesn't say anything good that even with all the vampire stuff that happens later... Like, that was the most compelling part of the story. <laughs> was this completely vestigial so- subplot that starts the movie. Yeah. Um, and then gets resolved very quickly and, and goes nowhere after that. That's the other, thing, the, the other thing about the other big criticism I had is that, like... And this is, like, a budgetary thing, probably, is that they talk all the time towards the end of the film about how... Oh, th- this dude is turning turning everyone into vampires. Like, the whole town is vampires now. But there's only, like, five characters in the movie... So it's just the same five characters popping up with, like, ghoul makeup on their face. <laughs> oh, man, I'm glad I just kind of was in and out of this yeah. one. Uh, there's some good, like, the, the kid in the window stuff is really creepy. It's some, like, and there's some good uh, Toby Hooper, like, 
like dishes are flying around and hitting the wall everywhere, like supernatural stuff. That's upsetting too, is you know, Toby Hooper is a good director. Too. Yeah. He's made good shit. He uh, he gets a few sequences where he's like flexing his muscles a little bit. Yeah. But this is still this is pre poltergeist and this is post Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, so it's you, like just right after pretty much all But a you few can also years. see like as a TV production he can't really like when the vampires bite people you see like only from the rear and you don't see their fangs going or Yeah, it's like, like what that. is he really going to do? Yeah. You know? um, the the other I guess lasting bit of this is that the the main vampire guy is clearly the same vampire who's the uh, the old one from um what we do in the shadows yeah did you ever see that yes yeah i'm excited they're making the series out of it yeah too. so i think so fx is picking peter it up. the really old vampire is based off of the the main villain from salem's Day. really yeah they, okay. lo- they look exactly the same wow like right down to the like his fangs aren't on the side of his mouth they're like his two front teeth are his fangs uh-huh like it just looks really weird and goofy um it's an interesting choice though yeah um, there's some there's some really good stuff. Uh, the main vampire invades a house, um, and he does it. There's like some stop motion stuff where they throw his cloak on the floor, and then he like grows out of the cloak. Okay, which is a really creepy visual. And it looks that sounds cool. cool. I'm gonna at least YouTube that because I don't remember. Yeah, that's what you should do is go on YouTube and look up Salem's Lot scariest moments. Yeah, just that's, and it it'll be like nine minutes long instead <laughs> and, of three hours. Yeah, and uh, watch that stuff instead because it's pretty good. But overall, what would you say about Salem's Lot? You know, just uh, for what it is, you know, it's a t- it's a TV miniseries. I don't want to come down on it too hard. It's Toby Hooper. You know, not a lot to work with, really. Yeah, you know? it's a two star. Like, I think just vampire shit for as a whole, it's got to be really fucking good. Or the vampire stuff, like the floor is super high. It is. Um, I will say this though, a lot of people may not know this about me. Uh, I didn't finish it, but I do enjoy True Blood. I think True Blood's a good show. <laughs> Have you watched it at all? I've seen the first three episodes. I enjoy it. Um, I thought Lafayette was a good character. Rest yeah. in peace. I forgot the actor's name, but that he guy, died last year. That guy has like one of the best scenes in TV history, where he's like telling the dude the AIDS burger. The AIDS scene. burger. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's anytime Lafayette talks. I'm That's just perfect. Like, Fuck yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Adam, where can we find you at? Wait, is it, did we get everyone? We did every movie, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We've talked about, like, so much stuff that's not what we're supposed to talk about. Yeah, I know, like, getting my place. I knew, I knew the bulk of that would be that, you know, <laughs> like, uh, cause this, this shit trails off anytime I do it. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter, mainly, uh, at Contrarian, which is Contrarian, but with a D, cause that's my last name. Isn't it suck? Like that's the way. That's the way I am with my like Twitter handle. I was listening to you on Balmy Boys last week, and you were talking about how like you inadvertently screwed yourself by having a unique social media name. Yes, it's definitely true. Like I like it, but when I say it out loud, it makes sense. Yeah, when you plug it, it like why no one follows me. So yeah, when you whenever I like, well, I changed it to one dumb boy now to make it easier. But my friend Rivers, who will be on the next episode, uh, Rivers Langley, he uh. Anytime I did the goods from the woods, he would just be like, uh, why, why don't you just make it all the same thing? Yeah. Like, and I was like, I don't know. We don't even have to plug my shit. That's the other <laughs> thing. I've got, I've got everything under one umbrella now. Like, I've yes. got my social media brand, except for my PlayStation account. Yes. And it really bo- bothers me, because I'm like, Sony's going to change it next year to where you can actually change your screen name. Good, because mine's still in Thomas, not funny. Yeah. and I- <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot to work with there. Yeah, and I, I'm like panicking because I'm like, nobody else better take my fucking name. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, when, yeah. It, when that was my name on Twitter, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, a lot to work with with the trolls. Yeah. Uh, uh, Condrarian on Twitter and Instagram. Um, don't friend me on Facebook unless we've met. Please. For sure. <laughs> I think Facebook is off limits anyway now anyway. Yeah. I have been getting a lot of friend I just, requests just, Well, so that's the thing about uh, Facebook is, or putting an album out is that you start getting friend requests from people you don't know. I got a lot today. Like, yeah. I don't understand. Well, what also, there's a hacking bug going around. So you might check if you're actually friends with those people because people are getting like duplicate friend requests and stuff. Well, this is like people that... I've checked the people that like make sure like they're real people you know, uh-huh. and they're real. It's just... A lot of it today. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah, that well, might have something. Facebook to do with it. is is a is a calendar app for weirdos. Don't. I'm about to delete it. Uh, the only reason I keep it now is to promote shows and for also uh, that's how we sign up for open mics here. Yeah. Uh, which I think honestly now I could just show up and let you know Lori or Paige know. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, man, uh, you should listen to your album. Buy your album. Throw some money. Like you yeah. said, you know, like just. Uh, it's ten dollars. I'm trying to figure out how to put it on sale. Um, but Sp- if you pay for it, yeah. If you it's ten uh, fucking dollars. Yeah. Bro. Also, it's on Spotify. If you have Spotify Premium, I don't care if you listen to it there. Like, don't though. Just buy it. Come yeah. on, give this man some fucking money. That's what the end goal is. Yeah. We're all greedy. <laughs> well, thanks. I, get, for- <laughs> I think it's uh, um, one cent, one penny for every like thirty-two thousand streams or something. Boy, that's fucking rough yeah. for people. Like you know, like that's how they make their ends meet. Yeah, so uh, 27,000 more streams before I make a cent. That's insane. Yeah. They, oh, my. That's why, like, Tim Heidecker, like, had a problem with yeah. that. Well, it's, uh, I think it was Peter Frampton um, is suing Spotify because he, one of his songs has been streamed 52 million times, and he made 1,700 bucks off that. I think uh, that's fair. Like, Tim Heidecker had a problem yeah. with it, too, and somebody was like, Hey, they took your album off streaming on Spotify, and he was like, "Good, <laughs> like yeah. I, I want to make money off this. Like, yeah. it's obviously I mean, not the end goal, but he has a family. He's an entertainer. That's- this thing, this thing was not a money making endeavor. Um, it was, sure. it was more like I just want to have a body of work that is like in places where people can find it. Yeah, sure. Um, like you know, but like it doesn't hurt. You know, it's ten dollars. Fucking very. Yeah, I don't money. know why I'm like contraselling my album. Definitely right make money. On, I will say, make some fucking money on it. Yeah. Go for it. But yeah, uh, this it's, it's a good album. It's an hour, and it's got one of the most fucked up field trip stories you'll ever hear, and I think that alone would be worth the price of admission. Yeah, if that doesn't sell you, I don't really know what the hell else would. Yeah. But uh, it's been fun, man. We're going to have to have you back for sure. Yeah, pleasure to be on. Uh, I love the show. Um, Thank you, man. Your stint on Balmy Boys with the Christmas Carol stuff was awesome. Yeah, go listen to that, by the go way. Go listen to Balmy Boys. Toby Awe and uh, Michael Rafino have a really fun podcast. It's, it's, they're, I don't know what it is. The chemistry between them two just works. Yeah. Um, and we did a really fun Christmas Carol uh, did, uh, Nick did a did a really fun bit where he pretended to be like your average open mic comedian. That is <laughs> the most spot on thing I've heard in months. <laughs> that was all improv too. With, I'm not like the Cheeto in Chief bit. Like, oh man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's. It's just every fucking heck. You know, anybody with a fucking Twitter now. Yeah. But yeah, man. Thanks for listening, and uh, tune in for part two next week. Bye. Bye, everybody. Had a throwing party for a bunch of children Well, all the while, the slime was under the building So they packed up, we got a grip, came equipped Grabbed a proton pack